from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. An uncertain future. It's really dried up. What one Georgia producer is facing after a year of drought. We've heard tomatoes are good to eat for your health, but why? Scientists take a deeper dive and have some interesting answers as the mighty Mississippi claws its way back from record low levels. Southern part of the Mississippi Valley pick up several inches of rain plus some snow on, on the backside of that. And the net effect is if you compare this to a week ago, the Mississippi River at Memphis right now is uh, 18 feet higher than it was just seven days ago. So that's a pretty massive increase of moisture getting into that valley. The good news from these winter storms right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clint Griffiths. All the snow we've seen recently is adding up to one thing, some relief from drought. The latest drought monitor showing big improvements in almost every state, especially east of the plains. Right now, just under 29% of the country is in drought, but areas of extreme and exceptional drought remain, especially in the Mississippi River Valley. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, even that area is seeing some improvement. Yeah, that's right, Clinton. While the latest U.S. drought monitor isn't showing the full benefits yet, the recent rain and heavy snow that fell here in the Midwest and in the Central Plains had another silver lining, and that's that it greatly improved the water levels on the Mississippi River. Precipitation over the last several weeks, including the major winter storms early in 2024, brought much-needed recharge to the Mississippi River Valley, and there's more to come. Meteorologist Eric Snodgrass says this is working its way through the Mississippi River system to boost the record low water levels. This will ease the shipping problems and higher freight rates that have plagued agriculture. We actually watched parts of the, the southern part of the Mississippi Valley pick up several inches of rain plus some snow on, on the backside of that. And the net effect is, if you compare this to a week ago, the Mississippi River at Memphis right now is uh, 18 feet higher than it was just seven days ago. So that's a pretty massive increase of moisture getting into that valley. NOAA officials predict the lower Mississippi River will start to rise at New Orleans in about a week to a stage nearing eight feet by late January. This is the highest level since June of 2023. The short-term forecast is also favorable for that outlook. If you talk about where we've had our greatest drought, it's been in parts of the, 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 the southern part of the Mississippi Valley, down there toward parts of Louisiana, over toward Mississippi. But I think there's been some major corrective action down there lately, and there's still a whole lot more to come. Next week, it's going to be extremely wet, starting next Monday night through next Thursday in that same region. So a lot more moisture still to come. Snodgrass says there will also be a warm-up after these next storm systems that will melt some of the recent snow. Since much of the soil isn't frozen, it will allow the moisture to work its way into the subsoil and provide relief for areas that have had multi-year drought. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Those of you still trying to dig out from all the snow, you can blame El Nino for that. These back-to-back -back winter storms are a hallmark of El Nino. But the Arctic blast, which brought record cold temperatures to parts of the country, is something else. There's no question the cold has been brutal, especially for those producers checking on livestock. Drew Lerner of World Weather says the Arctic air is caused by a warming that occurs in the stratosphere, which is outside of where we live here in the troposphere. 
the stratosphere, when it turns warmer, it expands that layer in the atmosphere and it pushes, puts pressure on the troposphere and forces cold air that's aloft down to the surface. And then it gets spread out from the Arctic. And in what happens a lot of times when you get these stratospheric warming events is that you displace the polar vortex and or you split it into two vortices. And that's what's happening. Another round of snow and freezing conditions is on the way. Meteorologist Martin Lormore has a look ahead. Yeah, well, most of the snow is on its way out. We're still looking at a little bit as we go through the next several days. So snowfall estimates through this weekend are going to be, you know, some places, especially across the Great Lake, could see a little bit of lake effect snow off of Lake Michigan there. Also toward the more Cascades parts of parts of Washington, Idaho and Montana. You'll be seeing a little bit of that snow there. That'll continue through about our Saturday into our Sunday. So we'll be watching as we go throughout this weekend. Also seeing some snow out toward the Sierra Nevadas could see some good skiing snow out there as well. Appalachians also seeing some of that snow there up to around 10 to so inches in those highest elevations across parts of West Virginia. So we'll be watching the snow. So go throughout the next couple days. But here's the thing with a warm up is on the way. We'll be looking at those temperatures getting much warmer, especially across the more eastern portion of the US. So keep an eye out as you watch those temperatures finally starting to get warm. And speaking of that cold, this is an effective way to keep those newborns warm. Morgan Rovers is has a, is a herd manager over at the Hidden Acre Dairy in Exland, Wisconsin. So she puts some hair muffs on a few of the new calves to help them through this cold snap. Now let's face it, oh man, those are a bunch of cuties. Don't go anywhere. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Farmers in Florida will be keeping an eye on the forecast this weekend with the possibility of colder conditions moving in. But the most recent cold snap had limited impacts on crops currently growing in the Sunshine State. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says the seriously cold temperatures did not find their way deep into Florida. He says weather there is locked in a mild pattern and so far farmers have dodged these recent blasts of Arctic air, which is good news for citrus growers. While for sugarcane farmers across the south, most of the crops saw limited impacts. Some of that bitter cold did reach into the deep south. Good news for sugarcane folks is that in Louisiana and Texas, we're mostly between seasons. Most of the 2023 crop has already been harvested and new growth for 2024 is either not there yet or relatively small. And so any burn back on that new sugarcane growth uh, should you know, we should see recovery in that as we move through. And so just hopefully a temporary setback for any new sugarcane shoots that are starting to appear. The northwestern corner of Florida was under a hard freeze warning on Tuesday night, and some farmers report the cooler weather is slowing down the growth of some vegetable crops. While Congress works to fund the government, work is also apparently going on for the next farm bill. House Ag Chairman G.T. Thompson telling Bloomberg he plans to advance the farm bill through the committee before March. On the Senate side, Ag Chair Debbie Stabenow has sent a letter to colleagues outlining the goals and priorities regarding the new farm bill. One key proposal, a plan for crop insurance that would bolster the program, but farmers would have to choose either crop insurance or the farmer safety net programs currently available, price loss coverage and agriculture risk coverage. The $1.5 trillion five-year plan was initially supposed to get approval last year, but was deferred to this year. Cattle markets rally ahead of today's Cattle on Feed report. We'll look at the latest trends coming up next in Markets Now 
And it's not cold, but drought that's been challenging for some cattle producers in the southeast. We're off to Georgia, where trends are slowly changing. New reading of the rural economy is continuing to show a slump. The latest rural Main Street index showing a reading of 48.1. That's still below growth neutral, but a bit higher than the reading in December of 41.7. It represents the fifth straight month of being in negative territory. Now, the organizer of the monthly survey of rural bank CEOs, Ernie Goss of Creighton University, says higher interest rates, weaker ag commodity prices, and a credit squeeze are having a significant and negative impact on the rural economy. Jim Eckert, the CEO of Anchor State Bank in Anchor, Illinois, indicating that unless crop prices improve, 2024 will not be a good year for area farmers. Corn futures rebounded on Thursday from fresh contract lows. Can that momentum continue into Friday? Agday's Michelle Rook is back with full analysis in Markets Now. Grains finally to the plus side on Thursday. Jim McCormick, agmarket.net, joining us. And uh, the bounce in the grains on Thursday, Jim, was it all technical because we were oversold or is there more to it? I definitely think it was a little bit of technicality to it, Michelle. We were massively oversold after the hard break coming out of this uh, you know, bearish report last week. But there's probably a little bit of fundamentals to it. We had some good jobs numb data coming out. Weather is still up in the air in South America. And, you know, we are seeing some in-user pricing as well. So taking advantage of this break. So they all combined to see a nice little rebound today. I also want to note we did see some bull spreading, meaning that the front month was trading a little bit higher than the back months. And that's always a positive signal that the market's trying to find a bottom when you see that. How much can you build on this, I guess, is the next question. Well, time's going to tell. I mean, I was happy with the close today, positive. But I'd like to see a little bit follow through on a Friday and then even more of a follow through potentially early next week to really kind of submit that we put that kind of early winter low in. Like you said, we are massively oversold. We are due for a dead cat bounce. And I think you got a shot of it. The weather in South America has got the crop size in beans, Michelle, the low in 130, the high end at the USDA is number 157. If we're at 157, there's no reason for the bean market to rally. But if these low estimates below 140, closer to 130 come to fruition, this market is undervalued and that could generate a nice recovery bounce in the beans. So we've had some scuttlebutt about cancellations of export tenders this week and the fact that we haven't seen that yet. Did that also help the soybean market bounce? I think it definitely did. Um, China, the rumors were they were canceling it, but we're knowing China, the beans were bought by the Chinese government, not the crushers. The government tends not to cancel those bean sales. Economically, they can justify it. But right now, uh, no signs of it. And I think that also led to, today, to today's bounce. And cattle had a nice technical close on Thursday. Can we build on that? Hopefully, we got above the 50-day moving average. Weights are going down. Well, you know, the final nail is going to be can this thing go is what the cattle on feed report says here on Friday. If that's positive, hopefully that we can build on this uh, upward momentum. All right, thanks for joining us. That is Jim McCormick with tagmarket.net. That's Markets Now. Love where I've day coming up.
for right now, we're watching this large low pressure system moving across parts of the eastern U.S. You can see in this blue area right here, this is much lower pressure, so it's causing a lot of that snow that has been falling with the past couple of days. And of course, those very chilly temperatures. This is going to start making its way out of the U.S. as we get into that weekend. Sunday specifically is looking pretty good. Going to start seeing this ridge building across uh, the eastern portion of the U.S., playing Mississippi River Valley and eastward, watching some very nice temperatures setting in. Some places getting above freezing for the first time in several days days, but we're going to be watching as another little trough builds in right here. This is going to cause a little bit of snow rain across the eastern U.S. So those higher elevations of the Rockies could see some more skiing snow coming in pretty soon. But this ridge into our east still keeping a lot of the southeastern part of the U.S. nice and warm, warming up after that cold snap we had a couple days ago. But as we get into our mid to late week, we're watching as this big trough digs in across a lot of the western U.S. This is going to cause some pretty wet weather and even getting into some parts out toward the central plains and southern plains. We'll be seeing a little bit of that snow. So we're going to shift over seeing this low pressure making its way out, giving some decent uh, system snow across parts of the U.S. Noticing this little band of lake effect snow. So right just to the east of Chicago could be seeing up to a foot of snow in some places. We're watching that area pretty closely, but this will continue moving out. You'll see a lot of that low pressure really escaping and there it is behind it with this big ridge out here across the western U.S. This is going to make its way into the eastern U.S. Help warm up a lot of the eastern U.S. This has been cold for the past several days. We're seeing some of that spotty rain and snow across the western part of the United States. So again, you'll be seeing some of that skiing snow out there as the much more unsettled weather in this uh, trough moving in will start making its way into the U.S. But overall temperature outlook much warmer in the eastern U.S. Way above average. We'll be seeing those temperatures finally escaping the freezing marker again for a lot of us. Western part of the U.S., you're closer to average, but when it comes to the precipitation, the southern U.S. will be seeing some pretty decent rain over the next couple of days. Minot, North Dakota, it's going to be pretty chilly, high of only 3 degrees. Good luck with that. Going over to Bradford, Pennsylvania, temperatures around 23, looking at some snow. Sierra Vista, a comfortable 72 degrees in South Arizona. Well, nutritionists always say that tomatoes are good for you, but why? New research claims to have the answer. And later, drought is slowly easing in northern Georgia. That's good news for cattle producers that have spent the last year struggling to stay in business. China is approving several GMO soybeans and corn varieties. It's part of a drive to improve food security and reduce imports. The China's Ag Ministry approved the domestic production of six more GMO varieties of corn, two of soybean and one of cotton, and another two of gene-edited soybeans. The planting zones for most of the varieties were expanded from ecologically suitable areas to the whole country. Now, according to the notice previously, some corn varieties were restricted to the northern or southern producing areas. Chipotle is making a big investment in agriculture to improve the future of farming. It's investing in two companies, Greenfield Robotics, which uses AI robotics and sensing technologies on the farm, and Nitricity, which is working to tackle greenhouse gas emissions by creating fertilizer products out of solar and wind. The Mexican restaurant chain says the investments are being made through its $50 million Cultivate Next Venture. We've heard for years that tomatoes are good for you, but why? Researchers at USDA's Agricultural Research Service looking into it. 
Scientists testing the liver tissue of mice that were fed diets enriched with tomatoes. They tested several different varieties of tomatoes as well, and they discovered a series of metabolites that have never been reported in the liver, and the researchers believe they came from natural steroids produced from tomatoes. These natural steroids have been found to lower the absorption of cholesterol, reduce cancer cells, as well as cut muscle atrophy. They also resemble many important signaling molecules made by the body. In addition, Scientists observed that regardless of the tomato variety, there was an increase in the activation of genes that help our body detoxify itself. And for ranch dressing lovers, would you be willing to try this? Burt's Bees and Hidden Valley Ranch are teaming up for a whole line of lip balms featuring the flavors you'd find in a basket of chicken wings. Those flavors include Hidden Valley Ranch, buffalo sauce, crunchy celery, and fresh carrot. Bert says the line is only available while supplies last. The good news, that cold weather may only last a few days or a few weeks at a time. But drought, it can last months or even years. We're off to Georgia to hear from a cattle producer still battling the lasting effects of a lack of rain. the country that's recently seen relief from the drought is northwestern Georgia. Portions were once an exceptional drought, now in the moderate to severe category. John Holcomb of the Georgia Farm Monitor brings us the story of one cattle producer in that area who has faced hay shortages, depleted stocks, and an uncertain future. Here in Walker County, it's hard to believe that things are better than they were just a couple of weeks ago as they went almost three whole months with just a fraction of an inch of rain in what's called an exceptional drought. The worst level there is, and was even designated by the USDA as one of the 11 natural disaster counties in the region. It's something that's of course been a concern to most everyone, but to cattle producers like Brian Hart, the concern is very much still there. This year our rainfall was perfectly normal until the last week of August. In the last week of August, it basically quit raining. Uh, this area has been in a drought for all of September, all of October, all of November, and started into December. We have had some rains the last part of November, but and, and some rains early December, and rain forecasted this weekend, which is hopeful, but it's just been a terribly, terribly dry time for those months. And, and it affected our fall grazing. We really don't know yet how it's gonna affect our, uh, our hay crop next year. As you can tell, most, if not all, of the forage is long gone into dormancy, which has forced Brian to start feeding hay early this year. We typically graze our fescue pastures up until, uh, you know, mid-November, early December with, with, with good rain, and we don't put up that much hay. But our hay consumption this year has been extremely high since really about the middle of September because there's just been no grass. As you can see from looking in the fields there, it's just it's really dried up. Uh, some of the fall grasses that we normally have and the early start we get on fescue just not there. Um, we do have some fields we haven't grazed yet that look decent, but uh, it's certainly affected our hay consumption. We, we're probably fed an additional 100 rolls of hay already this year that we normally do not feed. Of course, having to start feeding hay earlier than expected has caused his hay stocks to be depleted much faster than normal, which has caused him to have to purchase more hay to make sure they have enough to last them through the winter. We have actually purchased some hay just to make sure we have enough. I think we have enough. A lot of it depends on what the grass does when it does start raining because that's what nobody knows. If, you know, with this so dry September, October, November, if it starts raining normal in December, we don't know what the grass is going to do behind that rain. So 
we have bought an additional 150 rolls of hay that we're going to feed if needed. One thing that's concerning to Brian is the long-term effect on his herd, as he relies on winter grazing to help maintain his cattle's weight. But without it, he's afraid they may come up short when it's time to sell. In the calf business like we're in, we don't know, you know, we typically wean off 650, 700 pound calves every spring, you know, along May or June time frame. You know, we don't know what those weights are going to be because of the shortage of grass. Now, we got plenty of hay to feed them, but they'll gain a lot better if they have some grass to go with it. So that's another way that it, it very easily could affect us. As you can see, drought conditions have lessened in the last couple of weeks, but most of the northwest Georgia area remains in severe drought conditions, and it's unclear when those conditions will ease up. Reporting in Villanelle for the Farm Monitor, I'm John Holcomb. And our thanks to John Holcomb, the Georgia Farm Monitor, for sharing that story. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day. I'm the Farm Monitor.